0: welcome. This is Melissa Giles, Portfolio Manager with Americana Partners. Welcome to another episode of our podcast. I'll be reviewing the April market commentary provided by David M. Darst, Chief Investment Officer with Americana Partners. If you'd like a full copy of the report, please visit our website at www.americanapartners.com and request to join our distribution list. The first section I'll be covering is called Where We Are, Please note that any charts or graphics referenced are available by request through our website. Let's begin. Begun in 1387 by Geoffrey Chaucer, 1343 to 1400, the father of English poetry, the Canterbury Tales could easily have been referring in its opening lines to early April's bounce back in the technology heavy Nasdaq Composite Index. One that a with a shower sota, the draft of March hath pierced to the rota. When April, with a shower sweet, the drought of March has pierced unto the root. As shown below, after relatively muted gains in February, positive 0.9%, and March, positive 0.4%, due in large part to the 54 basis point 0.54% rise in 10-year U.S. Treasury yields between February 12th and March 22nd, which tends to exert downward pressure on price earnings multiples. The Nasdaq composite had, as Treasury yields somewhat retraced their five-week rise, in the first six trading days of April gained positive 4.9%, considerably more than Nasdaq's total first quarter 2021 performance, positive 2.8%. Also worth noting in the table provided in the original commentary is the performance of the Russell 2000 Index of Small and Mid-Cap Companies, whose strong price gains in January, positive 5%, and February, positive 6.1%, reflect positive expectations about a broadening U.S. economic expansion, and underpin the Russell 2000's positive 13.6% return through Friday, April 9th. We believe that while rising bond yields may not be over, 10-year U.S. Treasury yields rose 81 basis points from 0.93% on December 31st, 2020, to 1.74% at the end of first quarter 2021, before declining negative 7 basis points to 1.63% at the close on April 9th. The speed of any such interest rate increases is likely to be a, if not the, critical determinant of the 2021 and 2022 path of stock and bond prices, even with one, newly reported coronavirus cases rising as a more contagious form of the virus takes hold across the country. 75,000 new cases were reported by the Johns Hopkins University Coronavirus Resource Center for Wednesday, April 7th. 2. Investors closely watching for what spending and taxation details of the Biden administration's $2 trillion proposal for strengthening the nation's infrastructure are likely to be approved by Congress. 3. The labor market recovery remaining uneven and incomplete, with the unemployment rate still 20% in the bottom quartile of the labor force and employment still 8.4 million jobs short of where it was in February 2020. 4. Bottom-up analysts' estimates for full-year 2021 S&P 500 revenues expected to grow positive 9.9% and earnings positive 25.9%, forecasts which may in fact turn out to be conservative, and 5. Lively debate both as to the true health of the U.S. economy and whether the anticipated uptick in inflation will be modest or meaningful, long-lasting, or transitory. The following sections review many of the important constructive elements and worrisome elements affecting the investment outlook. The Investment Outlook, Constructive Elements In our view, the outlook for financial conditions and U.S. equity prices remains essentially positive at this point, notably tempered by awareness of the fact that current, highly valued U.S. equities may already be in or approaching priced-for-perfection levels. Investors appear to have transitioned from anticipating a strong economic recovery to actually witnessing unmistakable signs of the strong economic recovery. At the same time, some degree of investor complacency also appears to have returned, with equity volatility remaining tepid and near its lowest levels since the pandemic began. The considerable degree of optimism reflects 1. Accommodative monetary policy. 2. A meaningfully quickened nationwide pace of vaccinations. three vigorous fiscal stimulus, four, robust household, corporate, financial sector, and governmental cash balances, and five, broadening and accelerating economic growth. Consequently, while constructive on the equity market outlook, With volatility low and valuations high, we nevertheless counsel maintaining some cash reserves earmarked to deploy into the sectors and styles cited in portfolio positioning tactics. While the upside potential from the record high April 8th closing level of 4097.17 for the S&P 500 index, its 19th all-time high in 2021— may be limited. For instance, assuming a 20 times price earnings multiple on estimated 2022 S&P 500 earnings of $210 would produce a 2021 year-end S&P 500 index of 4200 a gain of positive 2.5% from April 8th through December 31st, representing limited price upside while nevertheless amounting to a full-year price appreciation of positive 11.5%. Additional details of conspicuously bullish arguments for the U.S. equity prices include 1. Minutes from the March 16th 17th Federal Reserve Policy Meeting, released on Wednesday, April 7th, appear to have convinced investors that A. The Federal Reserve policymakers, even though they accept that consumer prices will likely rise in the next few months because of supply bottlenecks, expect inflation will likely remain near their 2% target over the intermediate term leading them to be patient before removing policy accommodation. b. The Fed intends to keep borrowing costs at record lows for an extended period, and c. The Fed shows no sign of moving closer to or ending or tapering their $80 billion monthly in U.S. Treasury bond purchases and their $40 billion monthly in mortgage-backed securities purchases. 2. In addition to the $1.9 trillion fiscal relief package that was signed into law on Thursday, March 11th, Shortly thereafter, on Wednesday, March thirty-first, President Biden unveiled a taxation financed over 15 years, $2 trillion, eight-year proposal to, among other objectives, overhaul and upgrade America's infrastructure, address climate change and social inequities, and boost access to caregivers and their pay. 3. As of April 8, coronavirus vaccinations in the U.S. were being administered at a rate of 3035473 per day. A tempo which, if sustained, would mean that 75% of the American population would be vaccinated by July 8th. Through April 8th, a global total of 726 million doses had been administered across 154 countries and was proceeding at 17 million vaccinations per day. Four, following a negative 3.4% contraction in US real GDP last year and the Federal Reserve Open Market Committee December's 2020 forecast of positive 4.5% in U.S. real GDP growth, the FOMC materially increased its estimate of 2022 real GDP growth to positive 6.5% as of March 17th, with positive 3.3% real GDP growth forecast for 2022, and a projection that by year-end 2021, headline personal consumption expenditures PCE inflation will be positive 2.4% and the unemployment rate will reach 4.5%. Unless otherwise noted, data cited is from the Wall Street Journal. Among the key elements supporting the Fed's higher growth projections are A. Broad-based gains in the employment market, as positive 916,000 new jobs were added in March, versus an upwardly revised positive 468,000 in February and positive 233,000 in January, bringing the three-month job gains of first quarter 2021 to positive 1.6 million, stoking estimates of similar jobs growth in second quarter 2021, with the unemployment rate possibly dropping a full percentage point to 5%, closing in on the Federal Reserve's year-end target of 4.5%. B. The March Conference Board Consumer Confidence Reading of 109.7, substantially surpassing consensus forecasts and representing the largest monthly increase since April 2003, supporting estimates of a strong rebound in consumption activity after February's weather-related weakness. Following November's negative 1.1% and December's negative 0.7% lackluster results, January's $600 stimulus check driven retail sales rose positive 5.3%, positive 7.4% year-over-year, with gains in every major category of spending, including food and drinking establishments. Also in January, personal income rose positive 10%, and a comprehensive measure of personal consumption rose positive 2%. C. Confirming very strong March readings in the Philly Fed Manufacturing Survey at 51.8, the highest in nearly five decades, and the Empire State Manufacturing Survey, 17.4, substantially exceeding estimates. The March ISM Manufacturing Composite Diffusion Index reached 64.7 versus 60.8 in February, with results above 50 indicating expansion, the highest in 38 years since December 1983. D. The all time record March ISM Services Index reading of 63.7 versus 55.3 in February and the 10th consecutive month of expansion. E. Supported by historically low mortgage interest rates, increased demand as Generation X and Millennials start families, and Americans' reassessment of their commuting and residential living plans, housing market strength has been exhibited across a wide range of locations and price points. F. Preceded by December's positive 0.4% rise and followed by February's positive 0.2% gain, January registered a positive 0.5% widespread increase in the Conference Board's 10-Component Lead Economic Indicators Index, producing a positive 5.1% gain for the six-month period ending January 2021— roughly a positive 10.6% annual rate, a meaningful reversal from the decline of negative 6.3%, roughly a negative 12.3% annual rate over the prior 6-month period ending July 2020, and g. Although followed by February's weather-affected negative 1.1% drop-off, January produced a positive 3.4% gain in durable goods orders the ninth consecutive monthly gain following upticks of positive 1.2% in December and positive 1.3% in November, with orders then surpassing pre-pandemic levels, up positive 3.5% from a year earlier. Five, high corporate, federal, government, and household cash balances, even before the recent Treasury distribution of $600 checks, not to mention the administration's new round of checks personal savings are more than $1.5 trillion higher than pre-pandemic levels. Six, despite the early April growth and mega-cap stocks rebound, healthy equity sector and style rotation continues, including growth to value, large-cap to small and mid-cap, defensives to cyclicals, and U.S. domestic to international. We see such broadening out of the main drivers of the indices as evidence of more balanced potential market strength, in contrast to how, in 2020, only three stocks, Apple, positive 80%, Amazon, positive 76%, and Microsoft, positive 41%, accounted for more than half of the S&P 500's positive 16.3% total price gain. And without just the top 24 largest cap companies, heavily represented by technology, social media, and digital services, the S&P 500 would have actually experienced a negative price return in 2020. 7. As of April 1st, according to FactSet, building upon companies' reports of surprisingly solid S&P 500 year-over-year revenue gains of positive 3.2% and earnings gains of positive 3.9% in fourth quarter 2020, thus producing a full-year 2020 decline in the S&P 500 revenue of negative 0.8% and a decline in earnings of negative 11.2%. Growth rates are projected as follows for first quarter 2021— revenue growth of positive 6.3% and earnings growth of positive 23.8%. For second quarter 2021, revenue growth of positive 16.7% and earnings growth of positive 52.5%. For third quarter 2021, revenue growth of positive 10.1% and earnings growth of positive 18.8%. For fourth quarter 2021, Revenue growth of positive 7.5% and earnings growth of positive 14.5%. And for full year 2021, revenue growth of positive 9.9% and earnings growth of positive 25.9% and 8. Against a backdrop of ramped up vaccine distribution and... Rebounding national economies, the International Monetary Fund as of April 21st raised its forecast of global GDP growth to positive 6.0% in 2021, up from the positive 5.5% it had forecast in January, and the fastest expansion in IMF records dating back to 1980. Now let's discuss the investment outlook, the worrisome elements. In early April, Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas President Robert Kaplan voiced concerns about excessive risk-taking, stating that if risk-taking goes too far, whether it creates excesses or imbalances, that could ultimately create challenges. It could thus be argued that although the widely cited consumer price indices have heretofore remained relatively quiescent, the Federal Reserve may at the same time have been devoting insufficient policy attention and awareness to the significant asset price inflation. Potentially divisive levels of wealth inequality, expanding speculative climate, and inappropriate risk assumption that have been occurring in home prices. The Federal Housing Finance Agency, FHFA, House Price Index has risen positive 12% in the past 12 months, pushing home prices to record levels and stock values over the past two years the aggregate market value of U.S. equities has risen positive 48.9%, or $16 trillion to $48.7 trillion. We feel it is prudent to be prepared for heightened volatility and one or more equity market corrections during the remainder of the year, owing to one, widespread levels of investor optimism, often a contrary indicator. For the week ending April 7th, the regular survey conducted by the American Association of Individual Investors reflected significant investor bullishness, 56.9%, compared to the long-term survey average of 38.0%, and only modest levels of bearishness, 20.4%, compared to the long-term survey average of 30.5%, to quite elevated valuations of stocks and especially bonds, and 3. Numerous instances of flourishing speculative activity in call options buying, in the fastest pace on record of growth in U.S. securities margin debt, in immoderate levels of cryptocurrency enthusiasm, in increased household equity trading activity, and in prodigious IPO volume, half of which in 2020 was for 248 blank check companies also known as Special Purpose Acquisition Companies, or SPACs, which raised $83.4 billion for the year, already surpassed year-to-date through April 9th by 306 more SPACs, raising $87.9 billion. As a consequence, a judicious investment approach calls for scrupulous consideration of the additional worrisome factors that could cause sustained U.S. equity price weakness, among them 1. Similar to the negative 0.6% price depreciation in the S&P 500 and the negative 6.9% price decline in the NASDAQ composite over the five weeks from February twelfth through March 22nd, thought by numerous financial market participants to be attributable, at least in part, to the relatively swift 54-basis point rise over the same time interval in the 10-year U.S. Treasury yields from 1.2% to 1.74%. Equity and bond prices could face significant headwinds should interest rates begin meaningfully rising again based on perceptions that inflation pressures are perceived as sustained rather than transient. For instance, in the March ISM manufacturing report, purchasing managers listed 57 commodities rising in price as of April 5th. Regular gasoline has risen $0.76 per gallon since late November 2020 and 25 items in short supply, which taken together speak of a broadening range of price and cost pressures. 2. Pandemic setbacks including serious coronavirus variants, vaccine fatigue if booster shots are judged to be necessary and or possible decisions not to be vaccinated by a sufficiently large portion of the population— could lead to extended or renewed economic lockdowns, such as those that have been implemented in several European countries and parts of the United States. 3. Central to the proposed $2 trillion infrastructure package, lawmakers could pass more burdensome than expected tax increases. The infrastructure proposal includes raising the corporate tax rate from 28% from 21%, imposing a strict new minimum tax on global profits, and tightening loopholes on companies that attempt to move profits offshore. With uncertainty as to whether any or all of such higher taxes would be retroactive to January 1, 2021, personal income tax hikes also are a distinct possibility, especially for high earners and wealthy individuals. 4. Serious deterioration could occur in the already distressed U.S.-China relationship, with the potential for harmful effects on imports and exports of technology, agriculture, and consumer goods, capital flows, supply chain dynamics, intellectual property protection, and cybersecurity reliability, among other ingredients of the bilateral relations between the two nations. 5. Any negative surprises that could unfold affecting companies reported earnings, earnings potential, and or regulatory treatment, with particular focus on anti-competitive business practices, antitrust issues, privacy laws, search manipulation, and taxation. It is important to monitor recent proposals by the authorities in many developed countries for the world's largest multinational companies to pay levies to national governments based on their sales in each country as part of sweeping proposals for a global minimum corporate tax, especially for highly valued bellwether technology and social media companies. Six, although broad valuation metrics are not usually the trigger for the onset of a meaningful market correction, or worse, a major sell-off, they can often serve as reliable and highly useful guideposts, indicating the need for heightened caution, financial vigilance, hedging activity if deemed appropriate, and risk reduction, just as fixed-income securities, including U.S. Treasury issues, as well as German, Japanese, Swiss, and certain other developed nations' sovereign bonds. Many investment-grade corporate bonds, and especially high-yield bonds, are at highly elevated levels, as reflected in their ultra-low and in some non-U.S. sovereign bonds' negative interest rates. So too are U.S. equity prices. According to Bloomberg and Refinitiv, on April 8th, for the first time ever, the S&P 500 was trading at a record three times sales, and according to the Wall Street Journal, as of late March, 366 technology stocks were trading at over 15 times sales, the highest total since 2000, historically a predictor of significant underperformance over the preceding three- and five-year timeframes. Also, for the first time, the total U.S. equity market capitalization now represents a record high 200% of total U.S. GDP, as cited in several recent months' issues of this commentary, and Cyclically Adjusted Price Earnings Ratio, also known as the CAPE Ratio or the Schiller Ratio, named after its creator, 2013 Nobel Economics Laureate, Yale Professor Robert Schiller. Calculating by dividing prices not by one year's trailing or forward earnings, but by the average of the past 10 years' inflation-adjusted earnings, as of April 9th, the current reading for the CAPE ratio at 36.91 was double the level of… 119.6% above the CAPE ratio's long-term median reading of 16.81, and with only a single exception in December 1999 when it reached 44.19, the highest it has ever been in the 140-year history of this data series. Several other valuation measures, including forward and trailing price earnings ratios, are quite stretched, and, if financial market history is any guide, are not likely to offer much protection in the face of any unpleasant policy, inflation, profits, political, or geopolitical surprises, and 7. Episodes of geopolitically instigated turbulence could spark significant upward or downward moves in the global currency and or energy markets, while such scenarios are essentially unforecastable, expressively termed by the legendary investment strategist Barton M. Biggs, 1932-2012, to as Bolts from the Blue, At this point, past experience has shown that major foreign exchange market instability or meaningful crude oil price volatility can exert short-term downward pressure on bond yields as investors seek safe havens and on equity prices with especially corrosive effects on high P.E. stocks. Paying attention to the dictum that one picture is worth a thousand words, the following commentary contains a number of annotated charts addressing the economy, inflation, and interest rates. As can be seen in the chart provided in the original commentary, lower inventories of homes for sale has been one of the factors helping put upward pressure on home prices. Low mortgage interest rates and favorable population trends have buttressed the housing sector, which represents 15-18% to 18% of U.S. GDP. Residential investment averaging roughly 3 to 5% of GDP includes construction of new single-family and multi-family structures, residential remodeling, production of manufactured homes, and broker's fees. Consumption spending on housing services averaging roughly 12 to 13% of GDP includes gross rents and utilities paid by renters, as well as owners imputed rents and utility payments. The median price of homes sold is up almost 16% from a year ago. As shown in the chart in the original commentary, even though the 2020 great lockdown and recovery appears to have momentarily stalled, the rate of rebound has been much faster than the recovery from the 2008 Great Recession. Various regional and national measures of industrial production have been registering rapid rebounds from the sharp drop-off experienced in the first half of 2020. Paced by significant quarterly gains in second quarter 2021, U.S. real GDP growth could exceed 6% this year. In its March 17, 2021 summary of economic projections, the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve forecasts positive 6.5% real growth in U.S. GDP in 2021. Although volatile, The Baltic Exchange Dry Index of freight shipping rates for coal, grain, iron ore, and construction materials appears to reflect an expansion in global economic activity. As of March 23, 2021, the International Monetary Fund was projecting positive 6.0% growth in global GDP in 2021, moderating to positive 4.4% in 2022. Growth in U.S. real GDP is projected to be slower than it has been in earlier decades. Such deceleration is likely to occur because the potential labor force is projected to grow at a slower pace. U.S. real GDP growth in 2021 may be as much as positive 6.5% or more and possibly reach positive 3.3% in 2022, As the economy rebounds from the pandemic, after the rebound and stimulus boost, looking beyond the growth rate of real potential GDP, may then settle back into a decelerating growth pattern. According to the Congressional Budget Office, annual U.S. real potential GDP growth is projected to increase to positive 2.0% in 2020 to 2024 and grow more slowly, positive 1.7% over the 2025-2030 time frame. Constructed differently and tending to behave differently over time, the two principal measures of the prices paid by U.S. consumers for goods and services are, 1. The Consumer Price Index, CPI, produced by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, BLS, and 2. The Personal Consumption Expenditures, PCE, Price Index, prepared by the Bureau of Economic Analysis, BEA. Though they track broadly similar trends, the two measures are not identical, with the CPI tending to report somewhat higher inflation. Since the year 2000, prices measured by the CPI have risen positive 39%, positive 2.4% annually, while prices measured by the PCE have risen by positive 31%, positive 1.9% annually. Among other factors, differences arise from 1. The scope of items covered. 2. Specific items, weightings. 3 how the index accounts for changed inclusion of goods and services and for the treatment of seasonal adjustments. The PCE places more weight on medical spending than does the CPI, while the CPI places more emphasis on shelter costs. The PCE measures rural and urban outlays, while the CPI measures just urban spending. And the PCE factors in shifts when consumers substitute cheaper items for more expensive ones, whereas the CPI does not. Set forth in the chart in the original commentary are the top 10 absolute differences between the CPI and the PCE as of November 2017. Offsetting recent years and decades, persistent deflationary forces of globalization, technological advance, indebtedness, and slowing population growth Among the factors arguing for possibly higher rates of inflation ahead are, among others, 1. Increased prices and pricing power in the face of significant pent-up consumer demand brought about following the COVID-19 pandemic and associated economic lockdowns. 2. Massive monetary stimulus in the form of lower-for-longer interest rates and money printing by the Federal Reserve to purchase large quantities of U.S. Treasury and mortgage-backed securities. 3. Fiscal stimulus in the form of $6.1 $6.1 trillion already passed in relief assistance, plus the $2 trillion in infrastructure spending proposed on March 31st. 4. High year-over-year growth rates of the M1 and M2 money supply aggregates, and 5. Supply-demand imbalances associated with global supply chain restructuring. Slowing demographics can put upward pressures on inflation as a shrinking potential labor force, can contribute to higher compensation demands, and at the same time, current demographics— a large and retiring baby boom generation tends to have a higher savings rate, reducing the normal consumption demand associated with family formation. The break even rate is the difference between the nominal yield on a conventional U.S. Treasury bond and the real yield on a U.S. Treasury inflation linked bond, a TIPS bond, of similar maturity. The break even rate reflects financial market participants' expectations for inflation and helps to determine which asset will outperform the other. The accompanying five-year break-even rate, chart provided in the original commentary, shows that financial markets participants' expectations of the annual inflation rate over the next five years are higher than expectations for the five-year inflation rate. Going back to 2016 and the accompanying 10-year break-even rate, chart provided in the original commentary, shows that financial markets participants' expectations of the annual inflation rate over the next 10 years even though lower than expectations of the five-year inflation rate are higher than expectations of the 10-year inflation rate going back to late 2012 or early 2013. If the inflation rate averages more than the break-even rate, the U.S. Treasury inflation-linked bond will outperform the conventional U.S. Treasury bond. Conversely, if the inflation rate performs lower than the break-even rate, the conventional U.S. Treasury bond will outperform the U.S. Treasury inflation-linked bond. Given break-even levels as of late March, a five-year TIPS bond will outperform a five-year U.S. Treasury bond if inflation is higher than 2.43% per year over the next five years. According to the Federal Reserve data, the long-term average five-year break-even rate is 1.83%, and a 10-year TIPS bond will outperform a 10-year U.S. Treasury bond if inflation is higher than 2.33% per year. Over the next decade, according to the Federal Reserve data, the long-term average 10-year break-even rate is 2.03%. Three potential inflation paths for 2021 have been charted here by PJM Fixed Income, the Fixed Income Securities Asset Management Group of PJM, formerly Prudential Investment Management, in turn the asset management arm of the American life insurance company Prudential Financial. Following a year-over-year spike in inflation rates in early 2021, Each core personal consumption expenditures, PCE inflation path, excluding food and energy prices, is essentially based on assumptions for, one, unemployment, and thus by extension, wage and compensation levels, two, the U.S. dollar exchange rate, three, crude oil, and four, commodity price levels. The low inflation path shows a year-end 2021 core PCE inflation rate at positive 1.6%, Based on a year end unemployment rate of 5.9%, with March 2021, 2022, registering a year over year gain in the US dollar of positive 10% and year over year declines of negative 20% in oil prices and, equally, in commodity prices. Our current thinking would have us closer to the high inflation path, which shows a year end 2021 core PCE inflation rate at positive 2.3%. Based on a year end unemployment rate of 3.8%, with March 2021-2022 registering a year-over-year decline in the U.S. dollar of negative 10% and year-over-year increases of positive 20% in oil prices and equally in commodity prices. According to Bridgewater Associates and its founder Ray Dalio, the long-term economic and financial cycles of major empires, including, in their work, the imperial eras of Portugal, Spain, and the United Kingdom, the United States, and now emerging China, Typically follow cycles of growth and debt bubbles, leading to money printing, inflation, currency debasement, and interest rate volatility, with ultra low interest rates and at other times very elevated yield levels. Financial market participants thus need, at this potential secular stage, to be vigilant, diversified, and prepared for a range of both forecastable and unexpected outcomes. Demographic arguments in favor of higher U.S. interest rates cite an aging population and slowing population growth as limiting the supply of available workers in an economy, thus putting upward pressure on labor costs. At the same time, demographic arguments in favor of lower interest rates or only modest interest rate increases cite the older generation's higher savings rate, which increases the supply of capital, therefore tending to suppress interest rate increases and or keep them low. Millennials, while continuing to grow as young immigrants expand their ranks, have since 2019 surpassed baby boomers as the nation's largest living adult generation. According to population estimates from the U.S. Census Bureau, as of July 1, 2019, the latest date for which population estimates are available, millennials defined as ages 23 to 38 in 2019 then numbered 72.1 million, and baby boomers ages 55 to 73 numbered 71.6 million. Generation X, ages 39 to 54, numbered 65.2 million, and is projected to pass the baby boomers in population by 2028. Large federal government deficits estimated at As much as twenty percent of GDP in twenty twenty one when taking into account the Congressional Budget Office CBO estimates of phase five of fiscal stimulus, including the first tranche of projected eight year infrastructure outlays, with federal government outlays projected in twenty twenty one by the US Treasury to substantially exceed the receipts of the federal government, may put some degree of upward interest pressure on interest rates through increasing the supply of US Treasury securities being offered to investors. According to a late March 2021 investor survey by economist Greg Darko of Oxford Economics, 46% of respondents think the Federal Open Market Committee will raise the federal fund's target rate in 2022, with 28% of respondents predicting 2023 for the first increase, with only 12% predicting that the first increase will take place in 2021, and with 12% predicting that the first increase will take place as late as after 2023. Even though the Fed has repeatedly maintained that it is currently time-dependent, with a very low likelihood of federal funds target rate increases until late 2022, a growing body of financial market participants and few Fed governors have come to believe that monetary policy may be more data-dependent than the Fed asserts, with a very strong economy possibly leading to an increase in the Fed funds target rate in the first half of 2022 and perhaps as early as late in the second half of 2021. With a decreasing share of U.S. government debt held by foreigners approximately 35% as of late 2020, down from approximately 55% in 2008, compared to only 10% foreign ownership of Japanese government debt, it is possible that, with the major purchasers of U.S. Treasury securities being the three Fs, the Fed, the foreign sectors, and the folk, domestic American institutional and individual investors. Higher interest rates may be needed to attract non-domestic purchasers to U.S. Treasury securities. Now let's discuss portfolio positioning strategies. In the current robust economic expansion and rising interest rates environment, we believe that careful thought, planning, and attention needs to be devoted to the investors' most appropriate forms and vehicles for implementing the fundamental elements of asset allocation and investment strategy which include 1. Diversification, which means having sustainably low and negatively correlated investment exposures that truly counterbalance price movements in other assets, particularly during times of great financial stress and or market volatility, Two, Rebalancing, which encompasses using concepts of reversion to the mean to trim exposures to assets that have grown to represent too large a portion of the overall portfolio while at the same time adding exposure to high-quality assets that have fallen out of investor favor and suffered significant, though deemed not permanent, price declines. 3. Risk management, which involves recognizing when markets become consumed by momentum plays, story stocks, and information overload, a situation that has pertained in recent months to more than a few companies in the technology space, and understanding the degree of liquidity, the true pricing realism, and the various roles of short-term liquid securities real assets, financial assets, and alternative assets in decades-long or longer regimes of inflation, stagflation, deflation, monetary disruptions, and currency resets. 4. Reinvestment, which encompasses knowing when to emphasize and trade off income versus capital growth, all the while keeping in mind the critical importance of discipline, equanimity, patience, tax awareness, and longevity in capturing and compounding dividend, coupon, and other income flows, and 5. Asset Protection and Husbandry, which encompasses considerations of income and capital gains taxation at the state, local, federal, and possibly international level, estate planning, relevant insurance design and structuring, cybersecurity shielding, portfolio monitoring and reporting, administrative costs, forms and means of access and custody. Portfolio Positioning Principles. We continue to counsel a considered and considerable exposure to equities, with judicious shifts between styles, sectors, geographies, and, where appropriate from a cost, timing, tax, liquidity, and size standpoint, public versus private markets. Expressed are a number of themes that we believe should be taken into consideration over the next few years in selecting asset categories. Asset classes, asset managers, sectors, companies, and security types. 1. Paying attention to the value of money. Taking advantage of, rather than being taken advantage of by, the likelihood of money printing, internal and external currency debasement, government debt monetization, and the modern monetary theory approach that has begun to be pursued by the authorities, within shifting money and credit cycles, to service America's massive explicit government and corporate indebtedness and the enormous implicit obligations of pension and healthcare promises. 2. Concentrating on all weather sectors and companies, seeking investments with balance and flexibility that are able to thrive regardless of which political party controls the White House and or Congress, and evolving environmental, social, and governance priorities and values, wealth distribution initiatives, and public health conditions and political trends. 3. Distinguishing between temporary and permanent change, Focusing on the commercial and financial implications of new social and political power structures, alliances, and geopolitical relationships, new energy sources and resources, new trade patterns, new on and offshoring channels, work from home and work from anywhere employment modalities, and new business models, pathways, digitalizations, and forms of person to person and business to business work, leisure, learning, and wellness. 4. Taking advantage of demographic tailwinds. For U.S. and select non-U.S. companies gaining exposure to and meeting the rising needs, aspirations, and spending power of the rapidly expanding global middle class, especially in Asia. 5. Comprehending and verifying past success. Emphasizing companies and sectors that have demonstrated successful track records and past experience in capital allocation, balance sheet strength, risk management, sustainably defendable business models, and the ability to generate and sustain high, multi-year returns on equity, derived from revenue growth and favorable margin preservation, rather than through overly high levels of leverage, meaningfully above the companies and sector's weighted average cost of capital and six, identifying innovative and disruptive technology hegemons, focusing on technology enablers, disruptors, and dominators in biotechnology, public health, artificial intelligence, data analytics, machine learning, 5G cellular network technology, the Internet of Things, infrastructure, robotics, quantum computing, battery inventions, alternative energy, electric vehicles, and cybersecurity, while not least also taking account of the environmental, social, and governance, or ESG, characteristics of companies in these and other fields. Now let's discuss portfolio positioning tactics. 1. Keeping things in perspective. Many of the overarching themes and conditions that influence our intermediate and long term asset allocation and investment strategy emphasize the need to recognize that the concepts and implementation methods intended to achieve safety, balance, diversification, and liquidity are likely to face evolving taxation regimes, social priorities, geopolitical power relationships, price level changes, demographic trends, indebtedness levels, technological penetration and usage, and importantly, the definition, role, degree of physicality, embodiment, and value of money itself. 2. Flexibility versus Conviction in Formulating Investment Thinking In seeking to determine when to adhere to and when to lean against prevailing consensus views, sometimes pejoratively referred to as groupthink, it is important to critically question the soundness and durability of the reasoning and assumptions underlying a given investment framework and positioning at any point in time. While it may not make sense to hold out of consensus views just for the sake of doing so, often expressed as don't fight the tape, at other times especially at major cyclical or secular turning points, at a major asset top, when reality is found to fall short of prevailing overly optimistic expectations, or a major asset bottom, when reality is shown to be worth considerably more than prevailing overly pessimistic expectations, the rewards of implementing a contrarian stance can be quite meaningful. 3. Enhancing and preserving. While we confess to a continuing degree of unease over the spreading investor exuberance and the popularity of stocks and sectors to be forever holdings, our short-term inclination at this juncture is to take note of the Federal Reserve's ongoing support of financial asset prices while taking advantage of such Strength to continue the course of upgrading positions, offloading lower quality, higher risk assets, and with timing and price discipline, adding to attractively priced, higher quality assets on equity market pullbacks. 4. Equity emphases and de emphases, particularly in the current conditions of historically low U.S. Treasury interest rates, and given the likely focus areas of government spending initiatives. To us, it appears likely that cash-generating, financially stable companies with robust growth prospects, which are able to operate and thrive in the digital sphere as they continue to enhance their business models, deserve to retain a valuation premium within equities. 1. We recommend continuing to gradually shift emphasis from growth sectors, companies, and managers towards the inclusion of select value sectors, companies, and managers. 2. We continue to counsel adding small and mid-cap companies, or investment managers specializing in and with good track records in this space, to our primary yet gradually lessening emphasis on large capitalization enterprises and three, for the time being, while we continue to prefer a tactical overweighting to U.S. domestic equities with any pullbacks currently viewed as an opportunity to judiciously add equities— particularly those sectors and small and mid-cap companies likely to benefit from an economic recovery. Year-to-date through March 31st, the Russell 2000 index was positive 12.4%, outperforming the S&P 500 index up positive 5.8%, while we also espouse building higher allocations to our positions in emerging market equities and developed international markets, such as Japan, with the Nikkei 2025 index year-to-date through March 31st up positive 6.3% in local currency terms. 5. Focus on strength and quality. Our long-term equity portfolio weightings continue to emphasize asset managers, sectors, and specific companies that can benefit from the major sustained trends of the 2020 decade, including 1. Incremental growth in a wide range of economic circumstances. 2. A focus on economic repair, digitalization, e-commerce, personal wellness, safety, domesticity, home improvement, infrastructure spending, and the release of pent-up consumer demand, and 3. Advantageous capture of benefits from onshoring, supply chain redesign, and deglobalization as important drivers of capital spending and disruptive innovation. At the company level in equities, we emphasize identifying and building long-term exposure to firms possessing fortress-like, cash-rich balance sheets, limited debt, positive free cash flow generation— dividend strength, and competitive business models that, over a long time frame, can generate high returns on equity through revenue growth and enduring profit margins, rather than through overly high levels of leverage. 6. Balancing growth and value sectors. Through Wednesday, March 31st, the iShares Russell 1000 Growth Index, including companies in sectors such as technology, healthcare, and communication services, had, according to the Wall Street Journal, returned positive 0.8%. While the iShares Russell 1000 Value Index, including companies in sectors such as financial, real estate, energy, utility, and industrial businesses, had, according to the Wall Street Journal, returned positive 11.2%. This 10.4 percentage point value minus growth returns differential appears to argue for continuing the process of prudent reallocation from selected growth sectors, companies, and managers into selected value sectors, companies, and managers. As this process continues, it is worth keeping in mind that true value investing represents identifying assets that are trading for less than they are actually worth, not assets that are merely inexpensive. Many superficially inexpensive assets are inexpensive for a reason and can very well remain so or deteriorate further. Seven, fixed income securities. Bond prices remain at extremely elevated price levels with ultra-low yields across the maturity spectrum, even though yields have risen somewhat since year in 2020, with according to Bloomberg, in mid-December an astounding total of $18 trillion of global negative-yielding sovereign and some corporate debt outstanding, we affirm our preference for issuers at the high-quality end of the rating spectrum, both in an investment-grade and in high-yield bonds in taxable bonds, and in tax-exempt bonds, where we continue to see some pockets of value on a taxable equivalent basis. We see fixed income securities as continuing to be subject to price risk due to our expectation of further increases in yield levels as 2021 progresses, and thus we prefer maturities and durations along the short-to-intermediate portion of the yield curve spectrum. 8. U.S. dollar outlook. After declining negative 7.4% in 2017, appreciating positive 4.3% in 2018, marginally slipping negative 0.2% in 2019, and declining negative 5.1% in 2020, the DXY U.S. dollar index measured versus a basket of six major currencies—the euro, Japanese yen, Swedish krona, British pound, Canadian dollar, and Swiss franc—had, as of market close on March 31st, appreciated positive 3.6% year-to-date in 2021. We believe the appreciation of the U.S. dollar over first quarter 2021 can continue in the near term. We believe the U.S. dollar may later begin to trace a gradual path of weakness as due primarily to the U.S. trade deficit cycle as well as the Federal Reserve's stated preference for lower yields in the United States for the next 12 months or even longer. The U.S. dollar's relative income-generating advantage may begin to play a lesser role in the currency's path as this year unfolds and global investors become increasingly aware of the magnitude of the U.S. current account payments deficit and, particularly, the massive fiscal 2020 and 2021 federal government budget deficits. Nine. Alternative Investments, and Real Assets. In Alternative Investments, we continue our multi-quarter focus that has for some time emphasized exposure to gold and or gold mining ETFs, shares, particularly the miners with reserves in stable geographic locations, capital discipline, and cash flow growth. As of January 21, according to Spraw Asset Management, the NYSC ARCA Gold Miners Index traded at an enterprise value to earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization ratio of 7.81 times compared to the equal-weighted S&P 500s ratio of 16.76 times the widest spread in 10 years, high-quality master limited partnerships with strong business models and sustainable dividend-paying capacity, select investments in private credit and private real estate, and opportunistic strategies that are positioned to selectively derive meaningful value from the dislocations created by the coronavirus pandemic and the economic and profits recovery that we expect in the year ahead. This concludes our April Market Commentary by David M. Darst. David is Americana Partners' Chief Investment Officer. We are available to answer questions you may have regarding the topics discussed. If you'd like a full copy of the report, please visit our website at www.americanapartners.com and request to join our distribution list. Thank you for listening. This is Melissa Giles, Portfolio Manager with Americana Partners. Stay invested.